You are listening to the Truth That Heals podcast. And for today's episode, I've invited my good friend, John Corcoran from Ireland to be my special guest. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to the previous content, which I have uh, published, a lot of my perspective has been very cultish in being involved in this religious community and very negative. However, I wanted to invite John onto the show to kind of get his perspectives and I didn't really want to dive in so much into the cult world. Uh, So in this interview, uh, for those who listen to this show, especially for the cult talk, I'm just giving you a heads up that this interview isn't going to be heavily uh, discussing uh, the cult realm of it. But there are parts where you might, if you listen to the whole, to the whole thing, you might think, man, that's, that's pretty culty, <laughs> but I'm, we're trying to steer away from that. And although, yes, it does get discussed, this episode in its entirety is not focusing on cults. Um, there will be more Catholic theme to this uh, since it was a religious community. So there will be uh, things mentioned like uh, adoration and blessed sacrament and prayer and um, these things are more known to the Catholic community. But even with that, um, I think that the whole episode, this whole interview, isn't just about religion. Uh, I think that the uh, the aim for this interview was kind of understanding the truth that John had uh, in his experiences, as well as a desire to reach a certain destination in life. And so this episode really goes into uh, discernment and uh, choosing a path in life and having all of those distractions and peer pressures. And this interview also involves finding love, finding love in a place in which you might you might not even really expect it, and so in this podcast, um, yes, it'll be touching a little bit on the cult activities. It'll be focusing a lot more on the Catholic themes and uh, discernment and uh, prayer life, but it will also be going into. Uh, the topic of choosing a path and ultimately uh, for John, my good friend, it was finding love and the way he found it was, um, it was amazing. So stay tuned and I hope you enjoy this episode.
Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and you're listening to the podcast, The Truth That Heals. Today, I have a special guest. I've known him since I was in the Alliance of the Two Hearts, and I knew him for three months, and he was a postulant in our community, and he is from Dub... Uh, actually, he's from... Galway. Galway, Ireland, and I would like to introduce you all to my good friend, John. John, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, introducing me to your podcast. Now, I'm John, very happy to be here. Now, John, uh, many of the audience don't know much about you. Is there anything that you would like to introduce to them about yourself? Sure. Um, well, as you introduced me as John Corcoran, that's a, an Irish name, Cork. Kirkara actually comes from the color purple. It's an Irish language name. So um, just a little fact to throw out there. <laughs> uh, so that's all, I guess. Uh, I've lived here all my life um, and I have a family. Uh, I'm married to Crystal um, and I have three kids, three girls. And the oldest one is three and the youngest one is two months. Uh, Rosalina, Lily and Violet and uh, I also have two brothers one sister and I'm living at home in Galway at the moment and it's a nice part of the world to live in in my opinion I'm, I'm biased but yeah now would you say that Galway is better than Dublin um I think that it's it's a quieter place um Dublin is you know like a bigger city so in my opinion it's nicer because you know it's it's a more relaxed vibe to it and it's a it's a it's a nicer place to obviously i haven't grown up in dublin so i can't really compare but um that's my opinion a lot of people love the west of ireland they always and okay. all all the, all the places in the west of ireland are nice okay so, that's nice yeah. nice to know um well uh, as you know, and as the audience knows, the name of this podcast is The Truth That Heals. So I have you as a guest because, you know, one, you're my you're my good friend. And two, I think that you have some truths that uh, would be very interesting for not only ex-members of the Alliance, but also other people who are on a, a journey of love a journey of discernment which which path to take and i think um you know knowing your story uh there's just so many so many different paths that you could have taken uh and i think that it would just be good to uh hear a little bit about uh your story and uh, you know involving love and you know again vocation and discernment and uh, before we, we go into the love, I wanted to go back and kind of talk about your experiences with the Alliance. Um, as uh, well, for those who don't really know us, I met John in Dover, Delaware. I was at the time we were in the religious community and I was the professed member. I was kind of like, was I the superior or what was I? I was like the helper. I think or? you were an assistant superior is that correct to say i'm not Some, sure something like that it's just it, the, the, the terms are you know they're 
I'm trying to remember the exact terms, but you could say superior, you could say assistant, you could say servant. I don't know, but I was something, right? Probably assistant, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, so for those yeah. who aren't familiar, they might thinking assistant, like I assist you, like hold your hand to like cross the road. Well, an assistant, in in our world, in our community, was like there were three assistants in the way it was supposed to be run. There is the assistant A who always prepares the things for the, the younger brothers. I'm not sure if, if we had enough manpower at the time, but that's that's how it's supposed to run. The assistant A prepares for the activities. Uh, assistant B, which would have probably been me, stays with the younger brothers the whole time, kind of like a good shepherd. And then there is the assistant C who is actually like, he's the one who stays behind but he is supposed, he or she, the role is to kind of count the violations that the member does. But um, did, did you experience the assistant A, B, and C in your time? I'm not sure if it was that formulaic when I was there, but as, as you said, I'm not sure if there was enough manpower. I think there was only uh, six postulants and uh, yourself and maybe maybe about six other kind of more more uh, senior uh, brothers who were would be superiors or assistants and then there was the the priests um so i never realized that there was uh, an assistant a b and c so this okay. is new to me as well <laughs> okay so it's something yeah. that, that you learn and also the uh the listener can learn uh, yeah. and, and I, I bring that up because a lot of some of my listeners are really uh, trying to understand cults and but that's not entirely my aim. I think my aim is kind of separating the cult world from the religious world. However, unfortunately, sometimes it gets a little mixed up. And so I want to ask you upon your arrival. um did you, you know, during your three months, did you ever feel at any point that it was kind of cult-like? Uh, well, I, to be honest, in my small window of experience, I would say that prior to joining, I had been reading up about cults and particularly because I had met in and now some people might have find this offensive, but Mormons, I would regard that as a cult. <laughs> so, um, they would be, it would be quite frequent to see them, you know, traveling in twos around different cities, um, in their white shirts, and I suppose one of the characteristics that they have is, I feel like they they have some of their ideas are nonsensical, but because they're so committed to uh the mission if you question certain things you know it's like talking to a brick wall i feel like they can't answer them and they just blindly continue to follow in that way and um, i think in our catholic faith that there are some things that are difficult to understand but at the same time i feel that there is a solid basis for the theology of Catholicism, that there is a solid foundation. So even though we do have maybe a bit of blind faith, there's an intelligence behind it. Whereas, um, anyways, to answer your point, um, 
I did feel like when I when I entered, um, I suppose there was kind of a fanaticism, an element of fanaticism with some of the, uh, I'd say some of the lay people that I found, un- I felt uncomfortable with, you know, that from right from the get go, I just, um, I suppose I would have been a bit skeptical about uh, certain things like, for example, um, well, one thing that really struck me from early on was uh, my understanding of spiritual direction, which was something that was an, like an ongoing process where you would talk to a priest or, a, you know, someone who could give you counsel and you could air out your feelings and right from the get-go I felt that my feelings were kind of irrelevant because it was basically their way or the highway and it didn't really matter what how I felt about my discernment because it was already set you know we, we were now I suppose because the alliance um it's not like a normal religious community um, where I feel like everything is transparent. For example, in Ireland, you know, you have the Franciscans or the Dominicans, they'd be quite common. But with this community that we were part of, I felt like it was uh, a little bit secretive maybe because a lot of the ideas that the founder, uh, I suppose, uh, he would have developed um i suppose an understanding of of like global politics and things like freemasonry and things of that nature that wouldn't be kind of common uh for any religious order to to i don't like to be honest i don't really understand a lot of that stuff myself so it's i don't know if i'm answering your question but i no, think yeah. that the nature, the nature of the or of the community was different to any other religious community, uh, that would be common. So, from from that perspective, uh, it 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 was kind of hard to uh, to discern if that was the right place. And some of the things that were that were shared to the brothers and sisters, you know, I would have felt uneasy about. Um, like what? Uh, well, I suppose um, this idea that I I got the impression that we were seen as an elite kind of community that would like I remember the founder talking about um you know the saints and the end times being like the the cedar of Lebanon you know and um I felt like he was implying that our community was was like kind of on a higher a higher level than other ones and and it felt like there was kind of a a sense of um like we we were we were elite yeah we were elite Mm -hmm. and anyone else outside of that was kind of in the dark about about the the truths of of what was going on in the world and because of that then um with that comes a lot of kind of 
secrecy and a feeling of an us versus them mentality, you know, where you feel like you can't share things with people outside of this community where people outside wouldn't understand. And those aspects, I feel like that's a little bit dangerous because um, when you get into that mindset, then you're less likely to be open, you know, to other ideas and um, maybe outside of the community and and it, you become kind of, I feel like you can, there's a danger you can become closed-minded then. And, and that's kind of maybe a little bit cult-like, you know, it can develop into that. Yeah. And um, if that makes any sense. But it, it does because, you know, me and I let my followers know, especially on Twitter, I'm not against religion. I, yeah. I love my Catholic faith uh, and I respect other religions. Hmm. However, I'm seeing a trend and, uh, you know, since I do focus on Catholicism, I'm seeing a trend in not only our order, but also other orders, unfortunately, where there is this expectation of you just have to uh, kind of have this blindness and not question. And then it does lead to a sort of cult-like environment and mm. um, you mentioned uh, that there was this like sort of elitism and how like father uh, father being kind of set it up where um, kind of like a, a bet we're like the the best of the of the the rest the of the world green beret or the marines or whatever kind of yeah, you, you always make it like kind of like we're the military we're like the, the yeah the tough ones um, yeah and then you also you also mentioned uh, end times. Uh, did did you notice this before you entered, or was this uh, when you entered the postulancy? Like when when was it that you saw this elitism? Well, before I entered, um, I attended the Adore retreats. Probably like a lot of people before they joined they would be exposed to the community um so when i attended the retreat i was particularly drawn to the community i think because there's something very authentic about uh a lot of the things that that were preached about i believed in for example we know that there's freemasons is a real thing we we know you know that i think that's most people would agree that's that's a reality and yeah. um, we, we know like about kind of some of the i, I suppose uh i mean we, we I, maybe i don't know actually but um <laughs> that's actually actually i don't know to be honest um but um i suppose we're i was curious you know, and when, as a young person, you want to find out answers. You want to find out the truth, and I think it's 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 in all it's in each one of us. We have a void, you know, that can only be filled by God. And I think we all, whether we like to admit it or not, we all are seeking out truth. And I think I I found more truth in this in my experience at those retreats than I were, was finding maybe in other uh, 
in in other religious uh, meetings or or it, it it's something that wouldn't you know it's it's uncommon i suppose and yeah. I, and i i was very impressed that there were so many young people that were so zealous and they i f- could see that they were on fire mm-hmm. for and, love of god and you know going off of that you know that that zeal and you know people being on fire you mentioned earlier about lay people and fanaticism yeah. Um, what do you mean by what? What do you mean by lay people? Can you explain, like, for those so, who aren't Catholic? Yeah. What is a lay so, person? So what I, what I mean by that is, um, someone who isn't a, a first order, uh, who, or so, sorry, that doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> for me, it makes sense. I mean, I get, I get okay. you. Mean. <laughs> Some someone who isn't actually living with the community twenty four seven. Who isn't like a brother or a sister or a priest, okay, uh, or religious, who might be affiliated with the community? For example, they might be a th- uh, what they call a third order, which would be someone who I don't understand all the functions of a third order, but I I would assume they have a certain amount of commitment to prayer. Y- you would know more about this than I would, but uh, they would have certain commitment. But it wouldn't be like a full-on commitment. Like okay. when you're when you're in the community, it's like a marriage to the community. Okay. But when you're when you're a lay person, it's like you help out the community, but you're not actually part of it. You know, you're so, just like a helper. So lay lay persons are like those who don't take the vows. They're still living in the world. They have a job. Yeah. They can get exactly. married. So so you yeah. are are you a lay person? Uh, well now i am yes okay um, now i'm a lay person because i'm not i'm not a religious uh anymore i was only a religious for a few months during that period that i was in the community okay. um but what i mean when you you touched on what i said earlier about fanaticism with lay people um i feel that sometimes um as a lay person it can be very easy to look at maybe a religious community and think not really realize that these are still human beings you know they're not perfect people they're they're just um they're just as flawed as as you or i but they they have different functions and different responsibilities and they may have greater responsibilities spiritually but and they're still you know capable of making mistakes and I felt that some what I'm getting at is when some people put someone on a pedestal and and like for example with the community I felt that if if a certain priest said something maybe maybe people who weren't part of the community would just assume that they were automatically right because they're a holy person or they're a priest you know so yeah. therefore, whatever they say is 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 correct, and I just think uh, it, that's not always the case. I I I think it's good to have respect, you know, to have respect for the title mm-hmm. and have respect for a position, but uh, not to be naive and not to think uh, that's that someone's never able to make a mistake. And I I could see that with some of the people that were associated with 
the group we were with that they would say things like um even if i point if you would point out something that was uh, a bit odd or strange they would just say well it's the alliance or it's you know father or whoever so therefore it has to be right it has it, to be correct you it, know it, it's so funny you say that because <laughs> um and i'm kind of going and i'm going to my experience and for us, every time we would do things, and I'll give an example, like let's say, um, let's say we got kicked, we get kicked out of a diocese, which yeah. which happened, you know, a few times. But then it would be okay, we're kicked out, but we're still gonna go back to the diocese, but we're gonna be undercover, we're gonna be yeah. dress, dressing up as civilians, and I would kind of ask, or especially like in Los Angeles where we had been kicked out um you know father bing goes frequently to do retreats but he yeah. does it in hotels where it's kind of like you know under the radar and i would ask well like how come we're going back how come father Bing's going back or how come we're we're doing this if the bishop who's the superior of the place um he has forbidden us and i asked that because and i'm and i'm telling this to to the superior or to the the older member, I'm all like, I'm trying to understand. We're we're taught absolute obedience, and then I see this, and they would kind of justify it by saying, um, "Well, uh, Father, I think Father Bing said it in the in the homily. The highest law is uh, the salvation of souls, and he would use canon something something, and and so we would go off of that. Oh, so we're we're doing this. It's it might be, it might come off as disobedient, but uh, we're doing it to save souls, which is the highest law. So kind of going off of what you're saying, it's like uh, you might question something and then they would just say, oh, well, it's it's the Alliance, you know? So like, yeah, it, it exactly. kind of it, it kind of gives that pass. But that that mentality was like thrown in my face. I remember I was in Philadelphia and uh, we we're having a film viewing. Um, do you remember that one movie? It was about the... Uh, I think it was like about the Mexican Revolution and like the Cristeros and like Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the name of it though? Um I don't remember the name of it, but I, I know the one you're talking about. Um, well, uh, well we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, but, we'll um, figure it out. Okay. But uh oh for greater glory. That's it. That's, That's it, right? Yeah. And I remember we had it, we had like a uh, what do you call it? A bootleg copy of it, and um, I remember telling the the parents because we were like at a school. All right, we're gonna watch um this movie for greater glory, and one of the mothers she came up to me and she's like, "How are we gonna watch it?" I was like, "Oh, I have a copy," and it it was clearly like a bootleg, you know, burned copy, and she goes, "Isn't that a sin?" And my response to her was because I had that mentality of like you know Father Bing that we can we can do anything. And I told her, well, the highest law is salvation of souls. And then she she she, she responded to me, but doesn't Catholicism, you know, like the, the philosophy of it kind of teach that the ends doesn't justify the means? And that kind of like made me think, hmm, like okay, I, I got I got stumped. That was like my first time being stumped because you know, going back to that fanaticism. Uh, of the lay people you know me as a member of you know even more 
uh, had that fanaticism where anything that they want, my superiors want, you have to defend it, back it up. And uh, you back it up with what Father Bing said. Uh, and he goes, the highest law of salvation of souls. And so anyways, I'm, I'm going on, on, a, on a totally different path here. But I wanted, no. to, I wanted to come back and I wanted to ask you, so did, did these fanatical uh, lay people and perhaps even brothers or sisters, uh, did that lead you to join the Alliance or like to, to become a brother? Like what, what I want to understand is how was it that uh, you, John, uh, left Ireland and decided I'm going to try it out? Like what led to that? Was it a call from God or do you think it was more like peer pressure? No, I wouldn't say it was peer pressure. Um, although I was recruited, so there was a bit of uh, selling, I suppose, salesmanship involved. Okay. But like like anything, you know, you have to be encouraged. You know, so that's I wouldn't I wouldn't hold that against them. You know, uh, I think they were very good at the community was very good at. Uh, I would say they were exceptionally good at getting people's attention because when I went to a retreat, they would be looking at you as a potential recruit and saying, you know, why not try out God? Why not try a vocation? And the way it was presented, it was very attractive because you had a community where there was young people, they were on fire with the Holy Spirit and they seemed very happy and very contented and heroic and also um i think that's very appealing if if you're going to do something to go go the whole way and 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 do it to the fullest you know don't don't be like a half measured person mm-hmm. be a person who goes all in you know and 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 dives in and i think that was very appealing to me um and i think obviously the holy spirit um anytime there's a lot of prayers and there's a tremendous amount of prayers that were said, you know, in the community and, and that can always bring good, you know, because God brings good out of all prayer. Um, so I think, I suppose, just being, <coughs> there was a bit of pressure, I suppose. Um, I will say that the first time I went to the retreat, um, I was asked, to I think I was asked to use the microphone to to make a a vow of chastity and I was a bit taken aback by that because I was in front of the whole group you know in front of how many hundred people were there and I was thinking wow this is putting me on the spot here but you know it's a good thing to do and but I didn't really take it too seriously um, but I was very curious, and then, sorry, let me let me let me go back a bit. Uh, the first time I met the Alliance was actually by accident. So, okay, a friend of mine, um, actually just said, "John, let's go to this retreat," and I said, "Okay," because I I had attended this group called U2000 in Ireland um, they're very quite popular for Catholics and I had been on a binge of attending all these retreats uh, for a few years and I just found it great fun a great place to mix and meet people and you know so 
I thought it was a U2000 retreat, which would have been a completely different vibe. It would have been more chilled out, more uh, just like going for cups of tea and coffee. And, you know, we would say our prayers, but, you know, it wasn't like as full on as the Alliance experience. So anyways, sorry, I'm I'm dragging things on. Uh, no, it's I'll a get good you. storytelling. This is, but, this, um, this is the truth that heals, brother. You can just let it yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But so what happened, uh, my friend brought me along and we ended up arriving in this place uh, down in Cork. It was a, in, in a school. I'm not sure what the name of the school was. I think it might have been St. Mary's. And uh, we just saw we were in the hall. And we saw, you know, the incense being spread around. And my friend just turned to me and he said, he was smoking a cigarette and he just said, John, I think we're in the wrong place. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> but, uh, I said, well, we're not going to go home now, are we? We're what are we going to do? We're down in Cork. We have to wait for the bus to bring us back to Galway. So he said, yeah, sure we're stuck here now we, we may as well make the best of it so uh next thing one of the sisters um i believe it was sister clara from ireland from dublin she asked myself and, and my friend to come up to the stage and we started doing the one of the dance routines or what do you call it the action songs act action songs yes um so that got us involved and then my friend uh towards the end of the retreat at, at a certain point there was a vocation call um where the blessed sacrament was exposed and people were it was mostly uh, i think filipinos because that they made up a large portion proportion of the community um, but they mostly attending the retreat and they there was a many of them, but there was also some Irish uh, as well. And they were all coming, uh, kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament and coming up to the front of the hall for the vocation call. And then my friend nudged me and he said, come on, John, we have to go up as well. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not I'm not joining the Alliance. And he said, no, ev everyone's doing it, he said. So I said, OK. So you mentioned peer pressure. So I guess that was a bit of peer pressure. So <laughs> I went up and kneeled down um, reluctantly. I was thinking, what am I doing here? Uh, but then we were asked then to step, go into this other room in the school mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. sign this document. And I was thinking, hang on a second. A second ago, you told me every everyone was doing this, and now now I have a document in front of me. So, so I signed this document, uh, which I believe was expressing my intention to be willing to. I'm not sure was it willing to commit to vocational discernment, something along those lines. Anyways, I didn't go ahead. I I I got some phone calls. And I, I wasn't really interested at the time. I, I kind of you, you get phone calls by your friends or I got phone calls from from the Alliance afterwards because I had put down my details on this. Oh, so you this. did sign the document. 
I did sign it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of pushed into it. Um, but maybe that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and anyways, um, to cut a long story short, uh, nothing came of that until, but I was still so curious about this community that I came back for another retreat the following year. And then the next year I took it more seriously, but I didn't bring my friend with me this the next time because I knew if I was hanging out with him, I wouldn't really focus on the retreat. I'd just be yeah. talking, you know, we'd just be hanging out. You'd just be smoking so, your cigarettes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so um, yeah. So, so the next time then I went to the retreat, uh, still nothing had happened, but I had been attending a charismatic prayer meeting in Galway and uh I was I was prayed over um by a group of people um I can't remember exactly what the messages that they were uh, that were um some someone had t- had told me something along the lines of that um I was going to someone had an had a vision of a ship sailing and that I was going to do something like similar to what my ancestors had done like traveling i didn't i didn't understand what this message meant so basically um that didn't really make much sense but i went home and i was praying for guidance because at the time i had finished university mm-hmm. and i wasn't really sure about my career i didn't really know you know if i wanted to pursue accountancy or you know i was unsure myself so um I, I prayed in front of the uh, the picture of the Sacred Heart, which is in in the hallway in our house. And I just asked God, um, you know, normally I'm, I'm not 100% open to God's will. Like I usually have an obstacle where I say, I want to follow your will on condition, you know, that it's not X, Y, or Z. And I think that's something that uh, probably happens to to other people as well you know i feel like we can put obstacles in the way you know of being open to god's will so anyway when when i when i expressed that prayer um i said for the first time in my life i said i want to be open to your will even if it means you want me to be a priest so that was a big leap of faith for me because i thought I wasn't so sure about if I wanted to be a priest, but I, I was committing to that. I was committing that I, I would give God, God my openness in that prayer. And then I say, I, I also said then um, I am a little bit slow. I said, so I don't have a clue what this, what these messages that I, that I heard at the prayer meeting meant. So if you would please, you know, send some kind of signal or, someone in my path or or make things a bit more obvious for me uh, I would appreciate it so within less than 24 hours of saying that prayer I get a phone call from uh, Mary Dooley who's a third order in oh, the yeah. alliance and then she she said that Father Bing was asking about me and if I would be want to join and I had already been thinking about joining. So then I thought, okay, this is 
putting two and two together. This this makes sense now. This is this is an answer to my prayer. So I need to do this. I need to discern. So that was kind of my my thought process and why I decided to join. Um, if that makes sense. Okay. Um. Wow, a, a lot happened. It was. I thought it was kind of like um. You know, I did a previous interview with Daniel. Yeah. And in his story, he was kind of like, all right, well, I'm just going to go to Dover. So he kind of just flew over there and, you know, did his discernment there. I, I don't think he had ever met the brothers. And going to Dover, Delaware, was his first time meeting them. And mm. that's how his kind of story, that's a bit like, that's kind of his story. Yours yeah. is more like you're already in the vocation call and uh, oh, the adores. You went to the adores, correct? I was at the adore retreats. Yeah, yeah. Daniel didn't have any of that. And it's just I'm just kind of like I'm. I'm just you know listening to both of your stories because he's also uh, a member from Ireland, um, and he never went to the adores. So that's that's interesting. Um, you mentioned uh, something which maybe some of the the listeners probably won't understand. Uh, you said a vocation call. Uh, can yeah. you kind of exp- elaborate uh, like how that takes place, what it is, what does it feel like? What's the environment? Um, I'm not sure if I fully understand it, but I think. Or, or like I, the way that it was done in the Alliance. Like the how way did... that it was done in the Alliance, I think um, we were encouraged uh, all during the retreat the message was emphasized about uh, being open to God, being open to God's will, um, and it kind they kind of they kind of uh, prepared prepared you uh, for kind of the punchline at the end of the retreat that okay, now are you actually open to God's will? Will you actually, you know, um, consider? joining this community um which was kind of a i felt like it was an aggressive uh it was an aggressive advertisement or our kind of uh push that they that they did give at the end you know to try and see um because they were looking for members you know um so i would say how it worked was you know you were st- you would be spending a lot of time in prayer during the retreat. The blessed sacrament was exposed, um. So it, it was a great opportunity to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, to open yourself up to to forget about, I suppose, outside interferences in the world, and just focus on God, um. But that's not something that's exclusive just to the Alliance, you know, wherever the Blessed Sacrament is, um, you can spend time with Jesus in any church, anywhere uh, in the world. That's any Catholic church where the Blessed Sacrament is exposed or even, you know, there I know there are uh, variants of Catholicism or variants of that the Eucharist is exposed. And. But I think to answer your question. Uh, how the vocation call worked. Um, I suppose my experience was just that uh, I was prepared for the, for the week I was there 
with the talks and the preaching and the time spent in prayer and and I it was kind of set up in such a way that you would be thinking it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer for me to be open to God's will so it almost felt like if I'm not willing to try a vocation then I'm not really open to God's will you know and then am I really following my faith you know um because uh we should try God first I suppose that was the that was the thinking uh and 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 I think that's a good it's a good uh intention to have you know to try God first because um it it is a a great calling and I'm not sure of if I understand this correctly but I believe that it's scripturally it's it's considered to be a higher calling but at the same time I think that can often often be misinterpreted as the correct call for you you know uh, what I mean by that is I don't believe that because a religious vocation is considered a higher calling I don't believe that makes that person superior or better than someone who might be in what what would be considered a lesser calling i just think whatever god's will is for each person that's it's it's very complicated because you have the i mean and i think i think personally that the catholic job the cap the catholic church has done i guess a not a good job in um you know respecting other vocations especially the alliance um you know yes you know being a religious being a priest that that's beautiful but also married life is beautiful you know living your life you know trying to be a good person that in itself for me is a vocation just the the striving to be a good person without being so like uh fanatical um and i remember father uh i don't want to i don't want to say it was father bing but i just remember in the alliance uh someone was asked about these young vocations and it's like how come we're getting you know vocations that vocations who are younger than what is really allowed by the church and i remember the response and it could have been from father bing but i don't want to you know quote him when i'm not sure but the response kind of was well um you know it might this might not be their vocation uh but you know the goal is to keep people from sinning so if we if we have them here and they're praying, you know they're not going to be sinning. So everyone can just go to heaven. And, and for me, that's like a, um, that's the wrong way to see vocation because it's like, you, you know, you, here you have these these you know, church leaders, who are supposed to guide you to hearing God's voice, but you know when I was there, it was more like. And you you said it an aggressive advertisement, uh, like an aggressive form of recruitment. It's like, hey, like we we really want you, and maybe it's not what God wants, but hey, at least we're keeping you from from sinning. So yeah. so for me, it was it was very. Um, I I felt stuck. I I entered so young. I was like I, I mentioned in the previous podcast, sixteen turned seventeen when I was in there. 
and I did go to the Adore uh, back in, I think it was in Omaha, Nebraska, or somewhere in Nebraska. And I remember at the Adore, uh, it's like a three-day event. And like towards and it's all filled with prayer, filled with um action songs. And action songs is, you know, for the listener, it's like where you dance and do like this praise and worship, and then you spend time in like deep prayer, and you have all these talks and you have all these rosaries and it's it's it gives you a spiritual high because you're not used to doing this especially you know when you're so young and you know you're you're going to school all the time and it was just something so different and then at the very end you know they they kind of like bring the obvious where it was all right so if you want to follow god if you if you're willing if if you if you think god is calling you to follow him or if you even have just a little bit of maybe wanting to follow god and choose like the higher vocation, then come up now. And, yeah. and so that's what we did. So it's like everyone came up there and, yeah. and, and you're up, but your emotions are so high. And then you see all these people crying next to you. And yeah. I remember like the girl who I was like kind of dating at the time where I was kind of talking to, she, she saw me go up there and then she went up there and it's like, Oh man. Mm. <laughs> so then you're, you're kind of stuck. Uh, yeah, but, exactly. But um, for me, it, it led to 11 years, <laughs> 11 years of being with them. And for you, how long did it uh, keep? Just you? three months, just three months. Yeah. Um, I suppose you could say I was very confused when I, even though I was only there for a short period of time, I felt very conflicted when I left because I'd say for about maybe two years, I was really anxious about my decision not to return I was thinking I'd made the wrong have I made the wrong decision or have I made the right decision I don't know do you mean you know, like, I felt do you mean your decision to join the alliance or to leave the alliance no to leave to leave and um, so sorry my apologies um so I, I like when I joined I, I was very happy to well I was it was a big leap of faith, but I I felt I was do- definitely felt I was doing the right thing, and I I still feel to this day that I you know that was God's will for me to try it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I remember saying to one of the brothers, um, that just because it might be God's will for us to to join, doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's will for us to stay in the community. Um, because sometimes God may want us to take a path so that we can learn something so that we'll be able to, you know, take the next part of the path. Most people's path in life probably isn't like a straight line. You know, we have all these different angles. We, we are route, routes we take um, to get to the destination. Um, so, I, I I know, well, I, I'm fairly confident that if I hadn't joined the Alliance, I never would have met my now wife, Crystal, because um, Crystal, my wife, was a member of the community for seven years. And I did, I never met her at the time. But strangely, um, we kind of almost crossed paths on a few occasions um, prior to meeting. Um, for example, um, Crystal was supposed to come to Ireland 
the same year that I attended my first alliance retreat. But instead, she was asked to be a prayer power. So that meant she had to stay back and pray for new vocations, you know, to join. And ironically, I was one of the new vocations, you know, for that joined. And she was praying for me to join over in the States. Um, and then later on, after we both left the community, uh, about maybe two years after I left and she left in 2011, I left, uh, I joined in 2011. I left in 2011. Yeah. Uh, she joined, I think, in 2004 and left in 2011. And then two years later, in 2013, uh, we met on, on Catholic Match on a dating app called Catholic Match. Okay. Um, so, sorry, I'm going on a different tangent now. No, but... I'm happy you did because I wanted to kind of, because I did mention in the beginning that it is about love, this episode. Yeah. I mean, it, mm. it is about discernment, you know, finding your path. And you mentioned about destination and sometimes... Mm. You know, to get to a destination, there are paths that you take, and sometimes it's like zigzag, and you know, so many there's so many different routes you can take. Yeah. Um, but you've you've landed in your destination. Um, a question that I had that I wanted to ask you earlier was, um, before this whole um thing with the alliance, when you you thought you were going to the youth two K or uh, youth two thousand? Yeah, Y two K. Yeah, Y two K. And then instead you went to uh, the wrong retreat, was it? Yeah. You, okay. So, so what before... I thought was the wrong retreat, but it was probably <laughs> the right one. It was meant to go to. So before this even happened, uh, did you ever have a desire either for married life or for priesthood, or were you just focused on schooling or work? How was that? To be honest, I don't think I I thought very. Uh, deeply about my vocation prior to that I think that I I didn't take it very seriously my older brother uh, tried out the the seminary for a year and I I looked up to my older brother uh, I I was um, inspired by the fact he made that decision um, but I never myself thought this is what I want to do it wasn't something that I had thought for a long time about but I I suppose as I was attending more prayer groups and prayer meetings I became more conscious of my daily decisions and where they were leading me in my life like were they leading me closer to God or further away and then that brings with it some conflict because sometimes you might want to do something, but then you think, oh no, I can't because this isn't, you know, in line with the God's word, you know? So yeah. I guess um, I wasn't seriously thinking about the vocation until, until I met the Alliance. No, if that answers your question. Yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, the, the spiritual directors and yeah, uh, this is like in the very beginning of, of the, of this interview, you mentioned about spirit, spiritual directors and the difficulty with discerning. Um, 
but you only you only I don't want to say lasted because you know lasted you know sounds so negative for me. Uh, but you you chose to stay there for three months and then your visa, obviously. Um, yeah, I suppose it was it was circumstantial. Circumstantial because I could only stay and and this is probably an issue that all Irish brothers would have experienced as well. Um, however, my I suppose you could you could look at it in a negative or a positive light, but regardless, um, the fact is that I I had to renew my visa mm-hmm. to return to the states, and I didn't really have enough uh, determination to do that okay. after the three months because I was. I was kind of uh, happy to leave, to be honest. Um, not not a hundred percent happy because I was conflicted, but I I just didn't feel like I settled in, and I felt um, I can't I can't return here. I I just I had a gut feeling that it was just not right for me. So I I was your assistant, so I was with you a lot, yeah. and. Um... Like in in the beginning, I I from my memory, I I saw that you were very like dedicated to prayer, and you really came in there with an open heart. And um, I, you know, towards the end, I kind of saw that you were conflicted, but like that, it wasn't my business kind of thing. So I just wanted to be yeah. a good assistant, and you know, just here's a schedule. We're gonna pray. We're gonna do our rosary walk. Um, so I didn't know what you're going through any conflict and I didn't know what you were, you know, talking about with, you know, uh, the spiritual directors. Uh, but I do remember, uh, <laughs> I, I was a little bit of a jerk, um, but we, uh, I think we came back from enthronement. Do you remember this? And in the car. We, no, not in the car, but we're, we're home now. And, uh, yeah. we went, we went to the chapel and I remember in the chapel we were doing our rosary. It's me, you, and and uh, Paul. You remember Paul? Yeah, your bashmate. Yeah. Yes. And Paul just keeps on like giggling. Do you remember that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. come on, guys, let's let's be serious. We're we're trying to pray for the salvation of souls here. You know, we got to keep our arms extended and you know be the prayer power. And then you start laughing. I'm like, come on, John. I'm like, come on, this we're 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 here in the in the chapel. We got We got to be serious. And then I started laughing. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I share that because, yeah, there is that, you know, there is a lot of that pressure and there's a lot of, um, you know, unfortunate things that happen. However, um, there is a bond that I that I had and you know, it was just three months. And, uh, you know, I considered you as a as a buddy, a friend. And even though uh in the alliance you can't have friendships it's yeah. like frowned upon because it's like against uh it's against the rules but you know mm. it's you you have this invisible bond that happens with 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 you and your brothers kind of like um like veterans who, who go yeah. to war and you know there's this bonding um but i i kind of wanted to t- ask you about um because you mentioned that there was a a conflict because when you left the alliance you said you were happy, but not one hundred percent happy. That there was a conflict. Um, what what was that? Con- what was that conflict? Was it following God's will? Was it um, con- spiritual the direction? Con- 
Yeah, so the conflict was, um, on the one hand, in my gut, I felt I, I can't stay here any longer because I'm cracking up. Even though I've only been here a few months, I'm. it just, uh, some things happened when I was there that led me to my decision. Um, and... I knew I, I just I couldn't stick I couldn't stick this long term. Um but then at the same time uh at the same time I couldn't fully um I couldn't fully understand what was wrong. I knew there was something wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it and therefore I couldn't justify why I had left. And I think when when you spoke to our, another our other um uh, brother uh, daniel or brother Efren, i think he mentioned as well about not being able to put his finger on what was wrong but knowing that there was something that made him feel uneasy or something along those lines i'm not sure if i'm getting that right but I, that was the sense i got from him that he couldn't find anything in the constitution that uh, am I right in saying that or wrong? Sorry. No, you're you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but I felt like that. I I felt I needed to justify why I was leaving by looking at maybe the constitution or looking at like a concrete reason, and um, because this there, it's complicated. But the the way the way you're trained when you're in that community you it, it kind of makes you believe it they have a justification for everything because when they talk about um suffering and victimhood you know as the spirituality then you can justify any form of suffering as part of the 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 calling to victimhood so in a way it's difficult to pinpoint why you're I suppose uh, why you're leaving and, and, and to just to feel justified or vindicated in your decision to leave so I, I felt conflicted by that and I, I felt because I'm, an, I'm generally an agreeable person I find conflict very hard to deal with um, and I think that comes down to my temperament, everyone has different temperaments but I think I'm my temperament it doesn't deal well with conflict mm -hmm. and so um when i was i was felt like i was put under a lot of pressure uh, in the community to stay and that really if i feel like i'm backed into a wall um it doesn't it it i don't react well to that some people might be able to handle that better but i'm not able to handle that so i just i had to um i had to get out of there but i i i also felt like a failure because you know you're trained to believe that this is this is like the ultimate vocation this is the ultimate call and then if you leave you feel like you're an outcast almost or you failed you know that's how i felt and i also found it very difficult that I couldn't communicate with anyone in the community anymore. And I also, because you develop that bond, you know, and then also people that 
maybe your family or friends, you know, that don't understand what it's like to be in that intense environment. Um, you don't really feel like they can understand uh, either. So um, then you're you're left feeling isolated, and that that's difficult, you know, uh, because it's very when when you leave a community like that, it's like you're you're going on a highway at a hundred miles an hour towards a destination, and then all of a sudden you're you're going like a tortoise you know, back in the real world, oh, you feel it. maybe spiritually, I feel like I'm, I'm moving like a tortoise forward spiritually. What's a, what's a tortoise? A, to, a tortoise or a, a turtle, you know, like oh, a, a turtle. Oh, turtle. Oh, a turtle. Tortoise? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't um, know what, what, okay. what, 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 what I mean is, um, it's a big come down, you know, to cut, to cut, to go from. It's extreme. Yeah. It's to really go from extreme. that extreme. And and yeah, and then to just be in a in a regular everyday life, it feels very weird when you leave. It's almost like you've left a different realm, you know, entirely. Like you're on a different planet. That's how I felt. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but well, I think for cult survivors, whether Catholic or yeah, um, yeah. you know, like you know, going back to Mormon Mormonism or whatever, um, I think that many of us. Uh, and, you know, I'm speaking for myself, so I don't want to speak for everyone, but at least for myself, you know, who did 11 years, you know, it was really like 100 miles an hour of, mm. you know, just following instructions and following, uh, you know, whatever was told and mm. having this blind trust. And then, you know, for me, I, I had to just rip myself out of there. Mm. And then when I'm finally back home, it's like being in a different realm. Like you said, yeah. exactly. It's like, what the hell am I doing here? And a part of yeah. me kind of wanted to go back. Maybe I should go back. Maybe I'm in the, maybe I'm yeah. in the, I'm, I'm in the, this evil environment, you know? And, and mm. it's funny because I thought that, I thought that normalcy was, you know, evil. At least that's, mm. that's how I felt. And so it was very hard for me to, to discern after I left uh, but then, you know, things started kind of gradually healing within me and, you know, within my heart, within my mind. And talking about, you know, the heart, uh, everyone knows that the heart is a symbol of love. And I kind of wanted to ask you, uh, how did you make that jump from going 100 miles per hour to going back to your old life and then eventually uh, finding love well I think um, I was brought down to earth fairly fast when I came back uh, <laughs> because I thought in my own head I probably thought I'm I'm a great guy now you know I've done this three months now you know how 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 advanced am I spiritually you know <laughs> then you, you you come back uh, right down to earth when you realize your inadequacies in the real world and you realize hey I, I'm actually still an, uh, not that great of a cook I'm still uh, maybe 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 I'm still uh, struggling with the, the same things that I did before I entered um, it, actually funny 
funnily, um, I for for a short period of time, I I think there I think there's a theory out there that you know if you want to change a habit, it takes so is it I don't know sixty days. There's different so theories. I've on heard that. Yes. So I did feel like the ninety days that I spent there, obviously it's very easy when you're a postulant to just follow instructions because you don't, you don't have the responsibility of, you know, um, making plans. You just follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the, I suppose you would have experienced. You, you would have been instructing and you would have been a higher rank. So, um, but anyways, when I came back, I suppose when I came back, then um, I just noticed uh the differences in in like for example when i was in the alliance you know there were times during lent where we weren't supposed to talk and i, I because i love talking that's a hard one for me <laughs> <laughs> so i remember on a few occasions uh messing up that uh so uh, i i i did find when i came back then i noticed like why is everyone talking nonsense? You know, because we were trained to to not, you know, to not talk idly. It it, oh, yeah. it was more pronounced for me. It was more pronounced just noticing conversations. You know, noticing other people what they're doing. You know, um, and then how did I how did I get back to reality? I suppose uh, I was very. I'm a very I suppose I'm slow mover, so I I took a while to to get my feet in the ground, and I think it. To be honest, I think before I met Crystal, I was a bit all over the place mentally and not really focused on anything. And I'm kind of a dreamer, so um, yeah. I suppose I suppose I I I don't think I I. I was lucky, I suppose, in a way that I that I only spent three months there, uh, because you know I was protected, I suppose, from from may- maybe further damage if if I had waited there longer, yeah. you know. So, but I I think it was a great blessing, you know, and I, and I I'm grateful to this day that I had that experience, um, as I said earlier. Um, but when I met Crystal that's when I really started to uh, feel a sense of healing because Chris, I feel like she has a, a great gift with people to uh, like w- when I was communicating with her, I felt even though we were thousands of miles away, she lived in Seattle and I, you know, I'm living in Galway. I felt an instant connection because um, we had that connection with the alliance, but also it was it just it touched me. You know, when she would talk about her experiences in the community, I felt that very healing mm-hmm. for me to share that with her. And and then um, I suppose her perspective was different to mine. Mine would have been more negative, and I think hers was more positive. And I felt I felt like we balanced each other out. Like, I feel like she, she would say this, that I helped her see some things that she mightn't have seen. And she helped me to cut the corners off me to, to help me to see some things. And 
uh, you know, I really believe that that was uh, a great blessing for me anyways to meet Crystal and, and uh, thank God, um, you know, we, we got married in 2018 and uh, we're living in Ireland now and um, I think your vocation should be something that helps you to grow uh, and if you're not if you're not able to flourish or not able to survive in your vocation and and maybe I've heard a lot of stories of people in the alliance who were who felt like they couldn't function I, I don't think that's a great it, it, it's not a great look it probably means you're in the wrong place you know if you can't function properly but the fact now is that uh, since I've met Chris and since we got married, you know, I, I feel like I am beginning to uh, flourish a bit more. Like I still have a lot of room for growth. Like we all, none of us will ever be perfected, you know, obviously in this life. Um, but I'm, I'm on a good path and I'm, I'm, I'm contented where I'm going. Um, so that's, that's a positive I'm so happy for you because, you know, like, like I said, um, I didn't know what was going on in your mind but yeah. towards the end of your stay. I did see a little, you know, I did see that you're going through some conflict, but it wasn't really my, my place to, you know, give you a spiritual direction or to, uh, you know, give advice. I just try to be the best brother I could be. Um, and yeah, you didn't come back. So it was like, for us, it was like, oh, we lost another, like an, another person didn't want to, you know, follow his vocation. Uh, so we got to do extra penance. So, you know, thanks. I had, I had to do extra penance for you, for your conversion. Oh, sorry about that. I'm just kidding about that one. But um, uh, the because the, I know your story. Yeah. And it is so interesting, so amazing how you were in uh, Dover, Delaware for how long? For what time was the time period? So January 2011 until April, the end of April. It was just before Lent. And then I, I was there for the Lenten period. And then I was just leaving during uh, Holy Week. And during your three months there, uh, do you know the timetable? Like, the, do you know the timeline of where Crystal was? Um, as far as I know, Crystal was in America at that point, but I don't think she was anywhere near Dover. Um, because I think she was staying with the Third Order at the time. Um, I believe. But um, I don't know the exact timeline and I'm not sure if Crystal even remembers herself the exact timeline because everything was a haze. But I know it was that around that time. But uh, she wasn't in Delaware? I think uh, it was in Delaware. Maybe she was. Maybe she was. And I should know this, shouldn't I? <laughs> <Since> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but it's okay. Hey, hey, I mean, you still got plenty of years, you know, God willing. You yeah. have plenty more years to understand each other more, and uh, but I'm trying yeah. to I'm trying to understand because like, uh, well I mean I'm trying to like you know get more from this story because it's just so fascinating that uh, you're in Dover, you're in this group from Ireland, 
uh, I mean, I mean, you you're in this group, and you know that you found out from Ireland, and it drove you to to Dover. And I'm not sure if I share this, uh, but Crystal, she is my batchmate. And oh, yeah. yeah, so the first time I met her, she was actually a youth in Delaware. So she used to live in Delaware, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yes, live, she, yeah, she, she did. Yeah, and um, I, I, I remember the first time I met her, like she was, I think, 15 or 14, 15. She was a bit younger and, you know, it's, you know, she was there praying with the sisters and, you know, she was like a possible uh, recruit. And um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, knowing Crystal and my batchmate, you know, there's this, you know, bond even for my batchmates is great love. And um, so you're, you're in Delaware for three months, then you leave. Uh, Crystal left around the same year, 2011, 2012. I believe so, yeah. Um, but <clears throat> that that reminds me of something else. Uh, Crystal was, and you would be also familiar with um a third order called Rosa Rosa Shane. Yes. So um, funnily enough, I was after I left. Um, I was on this site called Catholic Chat. Um, okay. just talking to people you know because i love talking <laughs> probably too much at times and it's one of my weaknesses but anyways um i was on this site and i was kind of venting i suppose about my struggles and then i came across this lady and usually on so on these chat rooms you know you wouldn't see the person but you would you would type your name and you would type in brackets where you're from so if you're most of the people on that site are from the United States. So they would type the two letters of their state. So okay. for, uh, for DE would be like Delaware, Delaware. For the first letter and the last letter. So I saw DE and I thought, oh, I wonder is she from Delaware? So then I sent her a message. I said, oh, uh, just curious. Um, would you by any chance be from Delaware? And she said, yes. Sorry, are she, were you living in De She said, yeah, she was living in Delaware. And then I said, okay. Um, well, I, I was part of a religious community in Delaware called the Alliance. And then I've, I've discovered she was a third order, which as I, we were talking about earlier, a lay person who's affiliated or involved. Um, and then I, I was immediately worried then that she would, Tell, tell everyone in the community that this this uh, troublesome uh, Irish lad has has fled and 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 reveal all <laughs> reveal all about me and, and I in so much trouble even though I wasn't I don't think I was that important but in my own mind I I was worried yeah. about it yeah this worry yeah yeah but she in, immediately reassured me and said don't worry about it you know. I understand, you know, because, um, but the reason I brought her up is because she actually knew Crystal as well. And Crystal said that she had been helping her uh, as a, as a sister, you know, and when, when she was, I think when she was leaving the community, you know, she had been helping her reintegrate kind of, into society if that makes sense yes 
I, um, I, I know Rosa and I, I don't want to talk yeah. too much about her because it's, it's yeah. more Crystal's story. But, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. but but knowing you know Rosa, mm. um, one of the most beautiful people whom I know, and yeah. uh, you know I I've seen you know the things that she went through, and you know she's mm. been involved with the alliance, and you know, I've, yeah. I haven't spoken to her recently, but you know just the years that uh, I was with her, always supportive, even you know if a brother or sister left. You know, I, I never heard her, you know, talking bad or, you know, saying, you know, bad things about members who leave. So yeah. hearing that, you know, she was very supportive of Crystal, even while yeah. Crystal was, you know, getting ready to integrate back into the other realm, back into the world. Yes. That's yeah. no surprise for me. So so yes. you 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 get on Catholic chat. And is that also where you found Crystal Catholic chat? How did that, that was, come about? No, that was completely different. So <clears throat> I I suppose um, I would have been considering the vocation of marriage after I left the, the religious life because I had kind of ruled that out after my experience with the Alliance. Um, and then a friend of mine, a friend of mine told, uh, advised me to try Catholic match. Um, so I joined this website called, and, and to be honest, it's not like a thing I would normally do. I would be quite shy about sharing public information or being on a public profile. I'd never joined any other dating websites. So, um, but I was, you know, once I joined it, then I kind of, I just, my mentality was. Um, there was this function where you, you're probably familiar with on text, you can send an emote of a smiley face. Okay, yes. Um, so on this site, you have like the option to send like an emote and it might be like happy birthday message or something like that. And it would have like a, a picture of a present or a balloon or something okay. like that. So I had this idea, well, since you know there's so many people on this website my best uh and and uh i don't have time to to like message thousands of people why not just send an emote to about 100 people every time i log on so i'm taking notes here on how to find yeah, out yeah. Much. okay that's a good that's a good one All right yeah so step one sent a thousand emotes okay yeah exactly <laughs> so so uh, what i would do is it would have like the birthday and it, the date of the year let's say it was the 25th of may for example and then everyone's birthday would be like all the profiles that had that it was their birthday would be listed on a on a a selection you know here are all the people who have a birthday on the 25th so okay, i would yeah. look, look up that day and then i would send a happy birthday email <laughs> to all these people. um smooth but anyway yeah yeah the, you know you, you pick up these <laughs> oh, <I'm joking. laughs> but, uh, no i don't know how smooth it was but it was it, anyway anyway so so i 
uh, did this and I, I actually got um, a ban from the site uh, temporarily for, for sending too many emails. <laughs> but uh, anyways, to cut a long story short, I I came across Crystal uh, because most, I suppose most of the members were from the States and me being from Ireland, you know, uh, I was willing, I was happy to, to explore the possibility of me meeting someone that was in in a in a, any part of the world you know uh but i suppose the states you know because we have a lot in common you know we both speak the same language uh so anyway um yeah i i met i saw crystal's profile and and i was just drawn to it and then i sent her a few messages she didn't respond back for maybe two weeks but uh, I just for some reason, I, I really felt strong, strongly. I have to keep messaging this, this lady uh, because I just had this like gut feeling about it. I don't know why. There's nothing on the profile that says I'm an ex-sister from the Alliance or nothing about I'm, that. Like, I'm from whatever. Delaware. Nothing. No, nothing. So it was like, I suppose you could call it a God instance, you know. Um, that then we we eventually arranged a Skype chat, and it was right before mass. She was about to attend mass, and because it's an eight hour time difference, you know, it was it was the morning time for her, but it was the evening time for me. And once we got on Skype, then uh, within the first like two minutes, I had mentioned you know that I had tried the religious life, and she asked me where, and I mentioned Delaware. <laughs> And her, her jaw hit the floor and she was like, what? Um, and, and we were both shocked. And then I, I discovered she was a former sister. And um, she had to go then to mass. Uh, but then I was I was dying to continue the conversation and to find out more. So um, the the Facebook messenger then became my my uh, my refuge then for for. The next few months, I, I became an addict of, of sending messages back and forth to find out, you know, uh, I suppose um, at one point, the, the computer, the, the plug of, of the laptop actually uh, melted into the socket because I was using so much. Um, and uh, I probably had a good few sleepless nights as well where I was just... Uh, in the freezing cold, I was I was going out sticking the plug in to to try and charge off the phone so that I could continue my conversation, um, and yeah, it, it was just we we just connected straight away, and th- you know, then I went back. I I traveled. I I decided then to to visit her in Seattle, um, after about three or four months of texting. And we went back and forth. Then she, she, I think I went twice and then she visited Ireland and then I visited Seattle again and then she came to Ireland. And eventually then um, she came here and stayed here for I, uh, 12 months, I think. Um, uh, and then we, we got engaged uh, and and. The rest is history. So the rest is history, yeah. Um, quick question. 
uh, because there's a there's a Catholic match. Um, I think there's like an article that was made about about your your connection, yeah. and there's a there's a picture there of uh, Crystal dressed like a princess. Dressed as Harwin, yeah, Princess Harwin. Um, how did that come about like what's the story behind that so the story behind that is um i i suppose i was looking at her facebook page pictures <laughs> like a stalker <laughs> and i i basically just said oh i you know i think this is a really nice picture you know the one because crystal likes uh I, the community she was a member of in seattle uh, North American Martyrs, the Catholic group there, they would often dress up um, for Comic-Con or these kind of events. And Krista would take part in these things. Um, so she she would have like fancy dress costumes. So uh, I saw this picture of her in an airway dress and I just thought it, looked, it was, you know, a really nice dress. So I said, I, I just told her I really liked that picture. And then I didn't realize then she was going to actually dress up in the Erwin costume when I met her at the airport. But um, to my surprise, then when I came, when I came uh, all the way from Dublin, uh, Dublin airport, I, I arrived in Seattle and I could see behind the, behind the uh, Perspex doors, this uh, princess Erwin uh, came to, to greet me. So it was, it was a, it was a great moment for me and for crystal that's beautiful and and as you said the the rest was history uh i was i was so blessed to um actually attend the wedding there was like i felt that i was in freaking lord of the rings i was (laughs) like like um you know you hear like in in lord of the rings you hear like the elves chanting in the background in, in one of the scenes and um, I think your sister, was it your sister? She was like singing some hymns in Gaelic. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sarah is a great singer. And um, we're, we're blessed to ha- have uh, have some good, great musicians in our family. And uh, Sarah's, Sarah's uh, always been a great singer. She sang from a young age in, in the choirs. Um, I can't remember exactly. It might have been... I'll... I'll I'll be in trouble now for not remembering these kinds. <laughs> but uh, crease, crease the seal or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. But anyway, I, I just remember it was just so beautiful yeah. hearing this elvish yeah. tongue, you know, being oh, yeah. sung, and and it's yeah. in this big cathedral, and you can just hear like the, like the echo and just how the her her voice just carried. It was just marvelous, and you know, seeing you there. And the beautiful thing is, the last time I saw you in Dover, I saw this look of conflict, this this look of struggle, and then yeah. and then there in Dublin, uh, sorry, in um, uh, Galway, Galway, yeah, uh, I in Locre, I yes. see you there no longer with that look of struggle, but that look of you know like I, I've like that that look of you have the prize that look of yeah. you know i've accomplished something and it was yeah. just so much pride in me you know for you to see you with this glowing smile and then you know seeing crystal my good friend uh with with the good man and it, it was just so beautiful and 
I'm just so happy for the two of you. And it's just so amazing how you guys were both in the same community and it was like an accident for you. And years later, um, a love evolves from that. Amazing. And thanks very much, Ryan, uh, for your kind words. And it was a great blessing to have you there as well. And uh, I, you made a, a huge effort to come and I really, we really appreciated it because uh, I know uh, it's not always easy to travel thousands of miles as well. So thanks a million. Um, uh, uh, now I wanted to ask you if there's any, like to wrap this up, if any last words or any words of uh, maybe advice or just something that you'd like to share just to kind of wrap up this interview. Uh, I'd like to just say, um, even though some of the stuff we said might have sounded negative, about religious life um it's a beautiful calling and marriage is also a beautiful calling um and single life is another calling you know that god calls people to um and i just think um we should all try and be fully open if we can be to just be docile to the Holy Spirit and every day just try and remember that this day could be our last day and we might touch someone's heart by whatever we say or do so we should try and always be cognizant of uh, the way time is fleeting and how every day we have is a, is a great blessing so just thank God every day for waking up and giving us another opportunity and uh, just try our best every day and don't don't beat ourselves up if we fail because it's inevitable that we probably will fail because none of us are perfect and just just uh, try our best and and just uh, don't forget to pray and don't forget to thank God every day. That's all. That's all I want to say. Thank you so much, John. Uh, it's been a beautiful interview and I look forward to seeing you either in Ireland or uh, in the United States. We'll see. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, to the listeners, thank you for listening uh, and uh, stay tuned. We'll have some, uh, I'll, I'll try to uh, put the link for the Catholic Match article. Uh, is that still up, John? The link for the... Yeah. Um, I think if you type in... Um, she, wore a, she wore a Princess Arwen costume at the airport. Okay, well... You'll I'll, probably find it if you I'll, Google that in. Okay, I'll, I don't I'll, know what link. I'll, I'll search for it and I'll provide the link for the listeners so they can check it yeah. out. And uh, thank you so much. I'm going to stop the recording now, but we're going to... Uh, talk a little bit after this me and you so listeners thank you so much uh if you want to do an interview with me and just uh talk some truth uh maybe we can arrange it and um thank you so much to all the listeners all our friends i uh, love you so much god bless you all and again thank you thank you thank, thank you. you god bless <laughs>